You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and happy game day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Indianapolis Community News. And today, the Pacers take on the mighty Houston Rockets, who, despite their 2-3 and three record, are one of the better teams in the NBA. And joining me to preview Pacers Rockets, Ben DuBose covering the Rockets for the Rockets Wire USA Today's Rockets site and an analyst for Sports Talk 790 down in Houston. Ben, first of all, how are you doing? How are you holding up in this crazy Rockets uh, season so far? Yeah, it's amazing that, you know, the season has somehow de-escalated from the offseason because a month ago when training camp was started you know there's sort of a slow build-up and for a lot of teams I think things really get going when there are games it's sort of the opposite here and that the games have actually calmed things down because especially when it was early in training camp you had the hardened rumors the PJ Tucker stuff just flying every single day there's games there's actually some semblance of a routine and so well, certainly, I think everybody's thrilled to sort of get back to basketball. It's fun to watch. At the same time, oddly enough, it's sort of quieted the new cycle in Houston because I think in the offseason, you know, there's just so much idle time that obviously there was a huge story every single day, it felt like. Yeah, it was crazy in there. And I have to admit to you right now, Ben, that my favorite player of all time is John Wall. So I am selfishly oh, extremely excited to watch the Rockets. But let's just dive right into their season and start by finding seven ways we can trade them to the Pacers. A joke I already made <laughs> you out there, but uh, that's not going to happen. So, yeah, the, the Harden is like the overhanging thing because of the trade stuff. But he's actually sure. playing pretty well when we recorded on Sunday to preview the Pacers' upcoming week. He was averaging 37 a game. I think he had 21 or 23 last night so he's down to, down to 33 I can't believe I'm even saying that but despite all the stuff going on over his head he's probably the best offensive player in the league maybe ever how good has he been this year when he has played and how engaged has he been so he's been very engaged I think you can see especially on the sidelines he's talking a lot with Steven Silas the guys on the bench his professionalism has been really top-notch there's been no complaints that I've seen or heard since he reported and his skill is so much that you know he can score 35 points in his sleep it feels like you know that game against the Trailblazers the first one out of the shoot for the Rockets they had just more than one above the minimum in terms of the roster. You have to have eight to play an NBA game. They had nine, and he scored 44, I believe. That's how good he is, even though he missed most of that week in quarantine. He wasn't in shape for missing a lot of uh, training camp, and yet he still scored 44 in the first game and almost beat the Blazers by himself. Took a great shot from CJ McCollum in the last 10 seconds of that game to get it. So all in all, he's still really good at basketball. With that said, you can see, as I mentioned earlier, some impact from his off-season activities, specifically not being at training camp when it started. This has been a quicker ramp-up than usual for every NBA team. And then when the Rockets, the fact that Harden missed the first week of training camp between whatever you want to call it, I just consider it pouting because clearly he wanted <laughs> a trade. He didn't get it. And so... We know the videos, what they saw him doing in Atlanta and Las Vegas. And then even after he reported to Houston, then there's another video, and that led to a, another four-day quarantine, which you couldn't practice with the team. So the bottom line, of course, he's still incredibly skilled, but his fitness is just 
not there the way it usually would be in the regular season. I think he'll get there, but sort of the detriment, you know, the skills are still there. That's not going to erode, but the possession by possession basis that sort of defines, you know, separates the good from the great in the NBA, he's still getting there. He's not the defender he was the last couple of years. Also, Steven Silas replacing Mike D'Antoni, one of the things that Silas wants to do is get more ball movement, more player movement, and while Harden has said he agrees with that, in terms of the execution, it can be hit or miss, and my theory on that is that, well, if he's not fully fit, then he's not able to do that on an every possession basis throughout the game. He sort of has to pick his spots. So it's one of those things, the numbers on a superficial level are still where you would expect them to be for a perennial MVP candidate. However, he's still sort of uh, building his way up. So while he's still going to put up the numbers, he's too skilled not to. At the same time, I don't think he's quite the MVP James Harden that uh, Pacers fans might be used to. That all makes sense to me. I think that to something that's actually kind of helped in his favor is that, and I think this is affecting every team, the training camp being so short, like everybody's out of shape, right? So like sure. the fourth quarter of every Pacers game so far, and some of this is that Bjorkren's just hammering his rotation and playing like 30 minutes a game, but everyone is exhausted because they had three weeks to get ready for game speed. So Harden being a little behind there doesn't actually impact him as much. And I think that to me, I've only caught I think two Rockets games, one being that Portland game where CJ McCollum was insane. Um, he's looked pretty good and I think he can mostly keep up, but yeah, I think that, you know, missing time hurts anybody in their conditioning. So that's obviously a problem, but yeah, the, the defense is an interesting point you make because his post defense is so good. And Nate McMillan in the past was just like, Oh, James Harden on a center. I'm going to throw it into the post over and over. And, <laughs> yeah. And then they lose to the Rockets and it pisses me off. So if that's a little uh, worse, maybe that's where Pacers can take advantage. Yeah, potentially. And I think in general, the Rockets this year, defense is the big question. Look, when you have James Harden, John Wall, and Christian Wood, you're going to be a really good offense. They're still trying to figure it out right now. They lost to Dallas on Monday. And by the way, they're two and three, but they may as well be two and one because those first two games, the losses to Portland and Denver those are basically scheduling losses on the road against two playoff teams, having just nine players. One of those was a division two rookie and another was Bruno Caboclo. So you may as well have seven players. I mean, come on, they just were not going to win those games. So realistically their sample is three games. They beat the Kings twice. They lost to the Mavs in that loss to the Mavs on Monday. You know, you did see on offense, them getting a little too stagnant. Steven Silas after the game, you know, that's sort of the tension. Mike D'Antoni's system. I don't think it was all Mike's idea, but for whatever reason, it sort of devolved into very isolation heavy. Everybody knows NBA Twitter and ISO ball, the criticisms of the Rockets. And Steven Silas is trying to change that. And so there are some old habits, even if James Harden is fully embracing it in theory, in, in practice, it comes down to, you know, some of it just adopting new ways of thinking and some of it you know you played a certain way for years it's going to take time not just a week or so to break out of that so offense there is some tensions but overall there's just too much talent between Harden, Wall, Christian Wood, Eric Gordon looks healthy this year they're going to figure it out the big question is defensively because you know Harden and PJ Tucker those are two guys that the last few years have been really essential to their defense. You know, obviously Tucker regarded as one of the better defenders in the NBA, but also Harden, as you were saying, a great post defender this year, both of them, you know, Harden got all the headlines, but PJ Tucker missed half of training camp as well. And he has not looked like the same guy. Now, some would, would worry that because he's 35 years old, is it aging perhaps? But I think, you know, at this point, I'm going to take sort of a glass half full view and say that like Harden, he's 
still rounding his way into shape, and he'll be better in a few weeks. But the point is, you've got two guys in Harden and Tucker that are not all the way there physically with their fitness. In the last couple of years, they've been key defenders for you. And then Christian Wood, look, I mean, he's a very talented player offensively, but as a five, he doesn't have the bulk. He's also very raw. As talented as Christian Wood is, think about this, Tony. As recently as the 2019 offseason, he was waived. And then even with the... Like Tim Frazier or someone bad. Yeah, Yeah. and (laughs) and even in the the 2020 season, for the most part, he was Andre Drummond's backup. You know, he was super efficient, but he was playing like 15, 18 minutes a night for the most part. It wasn't until the 15 games before COVID, after Drummond got traded to the Cavs, that Wood really stepped into like a 30, 35 minutes per game role and people realized, hey, you know, this guy could really be something. And certainly that's translated. The Rockets are super optimistic about him and the raw numbers are there. He's clearly talented. But number one, he's a little bit light for the center position. And then secondly, he's just very raw in terms of his decision making because he has not played that much NBA basketball. When he has played, it's been against backups. And now you've got about the five in which he's sort of the back wall of defense and he's got to sort of call out the action as as it happens and tell his guys where to be if they're switching or, you know, if and of course the Rockets this year are trying to do a little bit less switching, a little more drops, and just like the offense is changing, there's some tensions with a new defensive system as well, some learning curve. But I think more than anything, you know, Christian Wood, besides his physical limitations being a little skinny, he's also fairly raw as a decision maker, just not that seasoned. And I think he'll get better. But I think especially early in the year, it's something that a a physical team like the Pacers with Sabonis, Miles Turner, guys on that front line that are fairly imposing can take advantage of not just in terms of their physicality, that jumps out on paper, I think, but also uh, Christian Wood, he actually, even though he was their leading scorer, in the Monday game against the Mavs, he actually got pulled with five minutes left because the Mavs were just abusing him on defense. Not so much one-on-one in the post, but more, you know, he just was not calling out the plays correctly. He was not switching to the right spots. He wasn't protecting the rim. And so that's just going to be something as talented as he is. He's very unseasoned. And a team that's got, you know, a lot more seasoned physical bigs in the Pacers to exploit that. Hey guys, we're going to take a short little break here so I can talk to you about the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network, BetOnline, BetOnline.ag. If you're ready for football, college football playoff heating up, bowl season almost over but still going, NFL playoffs starting this weekend, NBA in full swing, college basketball, league play starting up. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust to get in on all the action, BetOnline.ag. Sign up today. For a free account at betonline.ag, use the promo code LOCKEDON when you do so. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. They have NFL games of the week. They have all the college football top games, NBA action, NBA lines, over-unders, you name it. Current headlines in sports, they got it. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get it on the action and use the promo code LOCKEDON, all in word, to get a 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, Christian Wood's a guy I wanted to focus on on this show for two reasons. One's that you that you said where his numbers are insane, right? The, I talked about the right. Portland game that I watched, and he had a play that I think got went viral on Twitter where he catches it at the, at the half-court line, takes like two dribbles, absolutely torches the defender, and dunks it. And he just looked insanely good in that game. I think he had like over 30 points in that opening that game. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, how does this guy bounce around? You know, the, there's a litany of reasons. You just talked about some of them. But he looks awesome, right? He looks awesome for the Rockets. He's getting the ball. Maybe not a lot. That might seem like a stretch, but he's shooting a lot, right? He's shooting 14 yeah. or more shots every game. Right. So they clearly trust him, and he's scoring a lot. Right? He's doing good stuff with the ball, so he's really good. However, 
him playing center in this specific matchup with the Pacers is one where I go, okay, even if Christian Wood is getting the Rockets over 20 or 20 or more points, whatever, which he's probably going to do, right? He's that he's been that good this year. He's either going to be guarding Miles Turner, <laughs> which is hard. This year, Turner's been much more decisive. I know the Rockets have longed for Miles Turner for a thousand years, so it's always fun to watch him play against the Rockets. But <laughs> um He's either going to be guarding Turner, who's more decisive and bearing threes this year, or he's guarding Sabonis, which I, I don't know if he's guarded a throwback center ever. Uh, to be to not not against that's not against him. None of the young centers in the league have guarded a throwback center ever. But I wonder if even if he's awesome, if that's a matchup the Pacers can pick on, and that's why I'm so curious how he'll play in this game. Yeah, I think so. To me, that's why on paper this matchup concerns me from a Houston perspective. It's just that's the one area that especially early in the season, the Rockets just have a personnel deficiency because in the long run, you know, maybe some of it improves as Wood gets more experience, but also they probably need another defensive big. You know, DeMarcus Cousins, he has not looked great in the limited action that he's gotten now. Some of it, you know, he was quarantined the first week, so he might be a little bit rusty in the games that he has played, just three. Um, there's been some extenuating circumstances. One, he got in major foul trouble. The one against the Mavs, he got thrown out in three minutes for two technical fouls. So, oh, wow. you know, it's Boogie not that is his, back, baby. Yeah, Boogie is back. But, <laughs> you know, if you want to look at it positively, you can say that, you know, as the sample size increases, you know, he should fare better. But the reality, too, he's 30 years old and he's had just catastrophic leg injuries one after another. So who knows what he's capable of doing at this point in his NBA career. But Bruno Caboclo has just not been good at all in his limited activity both last year and this year. And if Wood either needs to play the four spot, which I think in some matchups he may need to. Now, maybe as the years progress and he puts more on his frame, he can you know, be a little bit more respectable as a uh, post center in a way, you know, Christian Wood sort of makes me think now his game is much more diverse on offense, but he reminds me a little bit of um, Clint Capella a few years ago when you remember how athletic he was, but then as each year passed, you could see that he just slowly added like every year, it felt like about five to 10 pounds of muscle. And then before you know it, by like year five or year six, Clint Capella was really, really strong. But of course, it takes a long while to develop that frame because if you do it so quickly, then you're going to potentially lose your athleticism, that burst that makes you unique. So the key is you want to slowly get stronger, but it's tough to do it immediately. So in the interim, because of that, you probably need uh, a more defensive-oriented big and I just worry that Cousins, at his age especially, is just too easy to pick apart in the pick and roll. Uh, and Caboclo is not really capable of it at all. So I think in the long run, a lot of Rockets fans have already sort of circled defensive big on their wish list as they get closer to, say, the trade deadline. Because I just I don't know that Cousins is fully capable of taking on that role. And if he's not, then I don't know who on the roster other than that can do it. I mean, Jason Tate has been really, really good the rookie but you know he's basically a small ball five he's not like you know a true big by any stretch of the imagination so in my opinion for the Pacers game in particular the Rockets really need DeMarcus Cousins to have one of those flashback boogie nights and not in the get ejected in three minutes way (laughs) you know they need Cousins to be able to go out there and give them at least 20 solid minutes in which he looks capable and provide some sort of post-defense and presence near the rim. Because I agree with you, on paper, this is one where, especially early in the year, Christian Wood could get exploited. 
Yeah, that that's what makes this one interesting is the Rockets center rotation. And I, I actually like like the, the quick pivot for the Rockets from I don't want to say no centers because PJ Tucker did a fine job in their role, but like what they were doing last year to getting mm-hmm. Wood and right. Cousins to be rotation. That's pretty good with the resources they had and the roster they have. Right. But but <laughs> Sponus' skill set just kills the type of guys they have. So I do I still like that matchup for the Pacers. Are there any other matchups from a Rockets perspective in this game that make you go that make you fearful of their chances of winning like Harden's going to dominate whoever's guarding him whatever PJ Tucker's going to shut down somebody but is there anything besides Sabonis that makes you go oh the Pacers are going to get a big advantage there well I would say it's a combination of uh, Sabonis and Turner it's that front line that's really it's the double whammy because you know as I mentioned Tucker is a guy who even though he's undersized people talk about him being six foot five it feels like a in just an infinite number of times per game, yet typically he boxes out very well. And to this point, again, it goes back to the fitness issue that we were saying earlier, he's only able to really do it in burst. You can see that the game is close in the fourth quarter. He sort of goes into that turn back the clock mode. But throughout the game, you know, he doesn't, again, I think it goes back to the fitness, isn't able to fundamentally do what you've become accustomed to seeing P.J. Tucker do the last few seasons to kind of overcome that size. So I would say it's not just about, you know, Wood and Sabonis. It's about the combination of Wood and Tucker and whether there's just enough of a rebounding presence on the front line. Because I think they were about minus 15 in the class against the Mavs. And Steven Silas at his practice on Tuesday, you know, he wants the Rockets to play faster. That's a big emphasis. They want to pick up the pace, especially with John Wall, who, by the way, looks so good. I'm floored we'll, we'll get at that. We'll yeah, get I'm floored <laughs> at how athletic he looks coming off the Achilles. I don't know he had the extra year. But the point is, to fully take advantage of that, you have to get out in transition. And to get out in transition, what Steven Silas was saying today, and he's exactly right, you have to rebound. So when you don't have the front line that's capable of doing that, you know, it'd be easy if it was just one guy and say, okay, here's someone you could bring in or here's a rotation switch. When it's both Wood and Tucker and there's not really another defensive-minded big you can turn to, it's pretty tough. Now, I think that maybe if he stays on the court and as he gets more adjusted, you can get more out of Boogie Cousins. That's that's what we were saying. I think also potentially Jason Tate with each game, he seems to grow into his role a little bit more. And at times, you know, even though he's just six foot four, he's a little bit like a smaller Tucker in some ways and that he plays a lot larger than his height. So you might can overcome that. But on paper, it's not so much about one spot. It's that overall uh, front line that concerns me because for them to, offensively fully take advantage of John Wall and play at the pace that Steven Silas wants to play at, they're going to need to get more rebounds. I think in the long run, you know, there are things they can do tactically to help that. But against the Pacers, it's a uh, it's a pretty tough matchup, I think. And it's also a little bit worse because the Rockets, by the way, are without Daniel House for the time being yeah. with a back injury. I know he's not a key player, but he's also one of their true athletes. You know, the Rockets over the years, they've not been an especially athletic team house is a guy who's six 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 seven can jump out of the gym and so he's someone that can get some of those longer rebounds to kind of kickstart the transition break he's out for the time being he also missed that monday game against dallas so they just don't really have the length and so that's why on paper against the pacers they may need to have you know to hope they have a really good shooting night to overcome that hey guys quick break from all this pacers rockets talk to tell you guys about the great 
great people over at Built Bar because Built Bar is making the best tasting protein bar ever. And as Nate Duncan describes it, a protein bar that doesn't taste like the inside of a sawmill. They have 18 amazing flavors that are all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. And I'm not making this up. People on Twitter continue to tell me that they're getting it and buying the product again. Built Bar is delicious. They have great flavors. Peanut butter, mint brownie, toffee, almond, coconut, some of my favorites. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, all delicious. It's great for the health-conscious guy or losing and maintaining weight while indulging in a delicious treat. For example, the peanut butter flavor, 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. If you go to BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, you'll get 20% off your next order with that promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Yeah, the Pacers rebounding, given their size, is actually not awesome. Hmm. Yeah. I would not have guessed that. I know. It's, it's surprising to everyone, including people who watch the team every day. Steven Adams just kicked their ass last night, even though they uh, pulled that game out of their ass. I mean, I can't even expl- – they were down six with 20 seconds left, and they won. It makes no sense. Anyway – uh, Drummond kicks their butt all the time. Uh, they, they just they aren't that awesome on the glass, so the size advantage should help them. But they, I mean, Sabonis is a fantastic rebounder, but Turner, you know, not great for a center, and a lot of their guards stink for being guards. Basically, everybody outside of Brogdon on the perimeter is a negative rebounder. So the, the Rockets could make up some stuff there and get out and transition. That's where Wall is going to shine, and I just want to talk about John Wall because he's special. But, yeah, the, the, I think the Pacers do have to do better on the glass against the Rockets because the thing is – Something you said earlier is they're not as awesome on D, and they're way better on offense. They have James Harden, right? Like, duh. Right. You gotta you gotta win the possessions battle in that kind of game if you're the Pacers. Even though they're more modern now, they're playing a more modern style of offense. They're not going to be able to keep up with a per possession efficiency battle with James Harden. It's just it's just it's impossible. So you either have to rebound well or you have to score well. And I think that if they can rebound well, again, get that possession battle going. Right, the Rockets. Despite being really good this year, right, between Wall and Harden, you're going to get almost 10 turnovers. So you might get possessions there. You just you got to be good on the glass. I worry because they haven't been this year. But if they can be, I think they'll get a shot. But, yeah, Wall, beyond that he's my favorite player, I think this is a great matchup for him because Brogdon, for all of Malcolm Brogdon's great qualities, he's been absolutely fantastic this year. The thing he's the worst at on the basketball court is staying in front of guys who are really shifty left and right laterally, right? He can keep mm-hmm. up with guys quick going downhill. But if someone goes side to side real fast, Brogdon can get caught. And Wall, somehow, after rupturing his Achilles and then slipping and tearing his ACL, looks amazingly fast still, which makes absolutely no sense. If I did either of those things, I don't think I'd ever run again in my life. (laughs) And he is just flying everywhere. It looks almost as, if not equally as athletic as he did pre-injury and already looks like one of the better players on this Rockets team. That trade is going to look pretty good for the Rockets, I think. And I think he can be really good in this game, both as a setup man for guys like Wood, Tucker's shooting well from three this year, Gordon, if he's in with the starters ever, and Harden, obviously, because he's going to be able to blow by Brogdon. So one, I want you to talk about how good you think John Wall's been compared to how good he was before, and two, if you think he can exploit anything in this matchup. Yeah, I've been floored by how well he's played. Now, I guess the one caveat you have to throw out is that unlike most Achilles guys, he basically had two years off because it happened in late 2018, and then he didn't come back to play in the bubble. So he basically gave it two years, and a lot of these guys, they come back in nine to 12 months, and the process is sort of still ongoing. So I don't know, maybe the John Wall story, assuming he continues to play at this level, is something to be said in the future for giving yourself you know, an extra, if not 
an extra year, maybe an extra half year or something like that, so that you fully complete the process and don't just come back the second that, you know, you're fully capable of, say, running in an empty gym. Because, of course, you know, the burst that it requires in an NBA game to go up and down that court and to create separation is another matter entirely. And, of course, there's the matter of whether uh, the player is ready to fully trust his foot and his leg. That's a big component to it as well. So I think also giving it more time mentally has really helped him become a little bit more sharp and in so many ways. And so at this point, yeah, I'm really bullish on John Wall. I think that's a trade that's going to age really well for the Rockets because if he's healthy and to this point, it looks like he is, you know, not only is he a better fit alongside James Harden than Russell Westbrook was, he's also more than two years younger and has a ton less mileage. So he's probably going to age better in the next three or four years as well. And when you consider that these are guys on massive contracts, about $45 million a year, that's a pretty big consideration. So I think in the long run, the Rockets, you know, not just going from John, from Russell Westbrook to John Wall, but getting the first round draft pick as well is something that could look really, really good. I agree that on paper, Brogdon does not pick up the shifty guys as well. So I think that's something that should play to the Rockets' strength. A lot of it goes back to what I said earlier, though, in terms of can you fully maximize John Wall? You need to rebound well so that he can get out in transition and fully leverage that speed. But to this point, in the big picture, I could not be more pleased. In a season that's had a lot of such sort of ups and downs for the Rockets, especially sort of the constant just rumor mill with James Harden, John Wall is something for the fan base to really be excited about. And of course, in a situation where Harden reportedly wants out, to have a guy in John Wall that sort of embraced Houston that wants to be there and build something here, it's been really big for the fan base as well. And I think the thing that just, to me, even though it's a small sample, he's only played three games, when I sort of look back to a year ago with the Russell Westbrook experiment, and even before he got banged up in the bubble and clearly wasn't 100% healthy in the playoffs, the one thing that was sort of ominous is that the Russell Westbrook bench units with the Rockets last year actually did not fare very well at all. That's something where, you know, Mike D'Antoni had this philosophy, and Stephen Silas is largely continuing it, in which you're going to have one of your two star point guards on the court at all times. In other words, when James Harden was off, you would have, at first it was Chris Paul leading those bench units, and then it was Russell Westbrook. And considering it's largely second teamers for the team you're playing against, you would think that Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook running the show would sort of make the Rockets second teamers overperform and win those minutes. It did work that way with Chris Paul. Those units, even with Harden on the bench, did some really good things. Last year, it did not work out well at all. And for whatever reason, Russell Westbrook was just not elevating his teammates, that second unit, the way that Chris Paul did those two years that he was in Houston. It's just through three games, but John Wall in those minutes without Harden on the floor, it looks a lot closer to the Chris Paul years than Russell Westbrook. They played really well. And you know, new Rockets GM Raphael Stone, he did make some astute signings. Sterling Brown in particular has looked very good off the bench early in the season. So, you know, you could argue that the talent is upgraded. Sterling Brown's probably a better player than Austin Rivers, for example. But I also think that uh, John Wall just seems to be a better fit for that unit in particular than Russell Westbrook was. And for the Rockets, that's a pretty good sign because really their problem areas have been when James Harden has been in the game. and 
if your problem involves James Harden, that's probably going to get straightened out. So as far as their problems, while I don't know if they get fixed by you know the Indiana game, in the long run, those are good problems to have because you know in terms of the depth, you know certainly it's a deeper roster than they've had in previous years. But I also think that John Wall is you know small sample, but we saw it in the preseason as well. He's doing a very good job of elevating the play of those around him as well. Yeah, that that's I mean, any doing well in the non-hearted minutes has got to be key for the Rockets, basically for perpetuity. It seems like, and with Wall specifically, I mean, what I'm about to say is no slight to any specific NBA player, but I've loved the Wall. I've watched him his whole career. I have a John Wall jersey, amazingly. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of expected him to be kind of like Eric Bledsoe level on offense this year. Okay. Right? You know, Bledsoe's good, right? He can get by guys. He's a good passer. He occasionally can make shots, but not like the fastest guy in the NBA or close to it. And Wall is close to that. And that just blows my mind. Not only is that huge for the Rockets, that's huge for Wall. Um, it just, it's good for the NBA to have a good player like that. And it makes a little bit more of a tenable situation in Houston to me when they ultimately, if they do, but I'm guessing it's when. Uh, when James Harden is eventually moved, they still have someone awesome who can dominate the ball and be good. Ben, who is winning this basketball game? I hate to be pessimistic, but I'm going to go with the Pacers just because uh, the Rockets are shorthanded. You know, I mentioned House is out. They also don't have Ben McLemore. Uh, he's been dealing with COVID, so that's two rotation players. They're down. We mentioned the rebounding issues. I think in time they will get them short, sorted out. But for now, to sort of overcome them on the fly without having much practice time, you probably need a good shooting night. Maybe they're due because they did shoot terribly, Harden in particular, against the Mavs. But being down two shooters and House and McLemore in a game in which you're on the road and you probably need a good shooting night to overcome your sort of size and rebounding limitations. Uh, unfortunately for my audience, I'm leaning to Indiana winning a competitive game, certainly, but I just don't know if the Rockets have the physicality to uh, to take it on Wednesday. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Uh, if Nate McMillan was still the coach of the Pacers, I'm picking the Rockets every time in this game because... <laughs> Uh, inexplicably so, every time they would play in the past, they'd just dump it in the post, and then the Rockets would get a stop, and then James Harden would score 40 points, and the Rockets would win. Bjorkren is more creative, and it seems like he is good at setting guys up to be in the best position possible on both ends. So I'm thinking he will be <laughs> more averse to just throwing it into the post, especially because the Pacers have sucked at entry passes for some reason this season. But do you feel like that's a lost skill in the NBA, just a simple entry pass to the post? Like, it just, it just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, I, well, I, I think it is largely because you just don't have the post play. I mean, like That's anything, true. you guys get into rhythm. And when you don't execute those plays in a game environment all that much, I don't know so much that the skill set isn't practiced at lower levels. But at the NBA, yeah, when you just don't get in the routine, it's yeah, tough it, to stay sharp with it. It's been very strange to see the lack of just like, just just throw a bounce pass to that guy and they just can't do it. But whatever. I think because Bjorkren can set the guys up in the best possible position, and I like the Sabonis matchup so much, I think the Patriots are c- going to win. But I will acknowledge that picking against James Harden can be stupid in any regular season game, and the Rockets still have a great chance. So it's going to be a good one. Yeah, absolutely. I think the one good thing about the Rockets situation with Harden is that it, very rarely do they get blown out. Worst case scenario, you can sort of give him the keys, let him sort of try and have what he did against Portland, in which they were on the road and terribly undermanned, far more than they are now. They didn't even have John Wall, and yet he almost pulled it out by himself. So I think the the upside for the Rockets is that it's tough to get blown out when you have James Harden. At the same time, 
you, you know, the matchup considerations are real. So I think, understandably, the Rockets will be slight underdogs, but it wouldn't. It certainly should not surprise anybody if they win the game. I agree with you on all that. Everybody listening, first of all, thank you, Ben, for coming on. He used to host Locked on Rockets, so of course we can both talk for forever about our respective teams. <laughs> Ben's yeah. on Twitter at Ben Dubose, D-U-B-O-S-E for the last name. Everything on the you're cranking out like four articles a day for the Rockets wire. So if you need any Rockets info, that's the place to go. And uh, you got anything you want to plug while you're here? No, just uh, you've done a good job plugging it all. Ben Dubose yes. on Twitter and then RocketsWire.usatoday.com if you want to read about uh, Rockets coverage leading up to the Pacer game. Going to be an interesting team to, to keep up with this year, given all the rumors surrounding them. And of course, Lockdown Rockets, Jackson Gallon doing a great job over there. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. This one should be fun. We'll recap it all tomorrow and we will talk to you then.